Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, Paramount makes a big splash, bringing back one of the biggest comedies of all time. I'm Jeff Braun, and I Care A Lot is the name of a new movie on Prime Video, and I have a review. Also, Tom and Jerry are back. Vikings is coming to an end. Brittany lands in Canada, and we'll see what's behind her eyes in the tribes of Europa. But first, like Brett mentioned, one of my all-time favorites, a comedy classic, is coming back. It's Frasier. What is the meaning of this? Where is his mate? I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. My favorite pair of socks reduced to a single argyle. Nor is this the only example. The keen observer yesterday would have noticed that I left the apartment wearing two shades of black. Explanation, please. After a couple of years of rumors and rumblings, it was announced this week that Frasier will be coming back. The announcement part of a set of announcements surrounding the upcoming streaming service Paramount Plus, which will be the new CBS All Access. We will get into that and Disney Star just a little bit. But first, got to talk about Frasier. 66-year-old Kelsey Grammer set to return to his signature role. He started as Dr. Frasier Crane on the second season of Cheers and then continued on the spinoff Frasier for 11 seasons on NBC. That ended in 2004, 17 years ago. It's one of the uh, biggest all-time comedies ever. It won several dozen Emmy Awards. He won, I think, five himself, maybe six. There's still a lot we don't know about this revival, though, Brett. Firstly, there's no set date just yet, and we don't know who else from the show may be returning, although obviously Frazier's dad, Martin, won't be back because the actor, the great John Mahoney, died three years ago. But it's also not yet clear if David Hyde Pierce, who played Niles, Jane Leaves, who played Daphne, or Perry Gilpin, who played Roz, will come back. It would be weird without Niles, and Niles would be weird without Daphne because they were married on the show. So who knows? We also don't really know what this show is going to be. I mean, is it going to be the Frasier equivalent of Golden Girls, or are they going to bring in a bunch of younger people? All the characters had little kids of various ages during the run of the show. Niles and Daphne's kid would be about 18 or 19, I think. Roz's daughter, maybe about 25. And Frasier's son, little Freddie, would be about 30 by now. So those are some of the options, but who knows what they'll come up with. Frasier was a very, very different show from Cheers. So maybe they'll take some weird, big, wild swing again. The original run ended with Frazier heading to Chicago to be with uh, the woman he loves. After 17 years, though, I mean, they can probably pretty do what do pretty much do whatever they want because you can easily explain anything away in a 17-year time gap. For me, though, the question is, should they do it? And I don't mind saying I don't really care for this. I love Cheers. I love Frasier. And they already beat the odds once with a spinoff. Most spinoffs are DOA. Frazier's one of the very rare exceptions to be really good, really successful, and long-running. Thinking they can do that again sounds like they're asking for trouble to me and potentially staining one of the great characters in TV history. If there were some creative drive for this, I might not be as hesitant, but it's hard not to see it just as a desperate clutching to an established brand on the part of Paramount and as, you know, it was Grammar who has a sizable ego looking to be relevant again or something. I mean, I love Frasier, but I'm considerably less in love with Kelsey Grammer, talented as he may be in the role. This is a big question mark for me. I'm not super thrilled about it at all, Brad. Well, what do you think? First of all, you mentioned spinoffs. Most of them are DOA, and that yeah. made me remember, Frasier isn't the first Cheers spinoff. Do you remember the Tortellis? 
I'd never watched it, but I remember hearing about it afterwards. I, I don't think I watched it. And that's a good point because because uh, it would have started uh, – G, I can't remember his name. He played Nick, and Nick was hilarious on Cheers, but apparently less hilarious, you know, as his starring in his own show. Yeah, Dan Hedaya and uh, Gene Kasem played his wife. It, 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 its first episode aired January twenty first, nineteen eighty seven, and its final episode <laughs> May twelfth, nineteen eighty seven. Ouch! Even I, as a kid, remember thinking this isn't very good, and I liked everything because I was a stupid kid. But I, I, I love Kelsey Grammer. And he hasn't been. He hasn't seemed to have been able to get like that other big role. He's done good work since Frasier, but he sort of pops up and yeah. then he disappears again. So it'd be nice to see him do something familiar. But I just sort of wonder: is this one of those things where they're going back to the well because they need money, or they just need some guaranteed oh. work, like like a band that has called it quits and then they decide to take another tour because they need more money? That's sort of what oh, it Motley feels like. Motley Crue is going to be back on the road as soon as the pandemic's over, by the way. So that does still happen quite a bit. And, I mean, Kelsey Grammer was in that uh, movie Money Plane last year. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the worst movies of all time. So uh, he's definitely this is a guy looking for a quality you know, job. So hopefully they found something. And like I said at the top, this has been there's been rumblings and rumors about this for a couple of years. I remember a quote from Kelsey Grammer well over a year ago where he said they were thinking of a few different ideas and looking at different scripts. So it, it does, at least in that regard, sound like, you know, they're taking their time and making choices and not, you know, just rushing any old thing onto the screen. So hopefully they've found something really good. But but the bar has been set so high and just the odds of hitting three grand slams in a row is just seems so impossible. I don't know about this. Let's also not forget that, uh, you know, Friends had a spinoff that showed Joey. Oh, yeah. And that was, I mean, Friends, at least Friends is still popular. People don't hold Joey against Friends. So maybe even if this does not work out so well, it, it won't uh, crush the, the, you know, Frasier as an entity in its entirety. So who knows? We'll find out. Like I said, no date. That is still to come. And like I said, Paramount Plus announced this. Now, what's Paramount Plus? Well, make way for another streaming service because this one comes from Paramount. It's the revamped CBS All Access app, which I think you could probably only get in the States before. Um, it'll be a bit of a game changer for a few reasons. It launches next week in the United States. Up here in Canada, though, there's no date set other than sometime this year. Uh, there will be two pricing tiers. Again, this is in the U.S., not for sure on how it'll play out in Canada, what it'll cost, but it'll be as low as $5 a month for an ad-supported version. So presumably that means it'll have commercials and they'll be able to, people will be able to choose from Paramount movies, Paramount Plus original shows and other CBS shows, or for $10 a month, you get all that ad-free and then you can get live CBS shows like Day Of and news feeds and sports, including the NFL games that CBS carries. Whoa. And that's obviously a big deal because the NFL is about the most popular thing on TV whenever it's on. And that could be bad news for cable as well, especially if other companies start following suit. Now, some companies have, you know, seen this sort of thing coming as far as the cable is concerned, like our company, Chorus Entertainment. You may have noticed some global news options on Amazon Prime Video. Um, and I have a lot of friends who keep their cable subscriptions, Brett, because of things like hockey and football, although you could stream games a la carte or pay for a season pass, that sort of thing. But if it's included with a streaming service, I think that makes it a lot easier for 
more casual fans to swallow. Like I wouldn't pay $250 just for a season of hockey to stream, but for $10 a month with a library filled with other movies and shows to go with it, well, suddenly I'm much more interested. Meantime, more bad news for movie theaters too, because Paramount also announcing that instead of the traditional three-month window between when a movie is released in theaters and when it's available at home, they're cutting it down to 45 days. Studio announcing a couple of their movies, Mission Impossible 7, A Quiet Place 2, that are to come out this fall. They will head to Paramount Plus after they're in theaters for six weeks. So if you have Paramount Plus and you don't want to pay 15 bucks to go watch Mission Impossible 7 on the big screen, six weeks later, it'll be available in your home. And that's only further going to drive a dagger into the hearts of theaters because there will be, I'm sure, a lot of people who won't mind waiting a few weeks to watch some movies at home. Um, for a lot of movies, not Mission Impossible, mind you, I might even feel the same. But uh, the big spectacle movies, of course, will still get the box office, I think, and date movies and that sort of thing. But uh, that's, uh, the, I know the movie theater chains have been insisting on that three-month window for a while, and this is going to upset a lot of them. Yeah, and I, I really can't comment on that myself because if there's a movie I want to see, I'm going to see it. And the, the, the fact that the window is re being reduced from 90 days to 45 would make no difference to me. I'm either going to see the movie or I'm not going to see the movie. And if I don't see it in theaters, then it doesn't matter to me that it's, well, I only have to wait 45 days as opposed to 90 yeah. days. Like that doesn't add any sort of sense of urgency. Like if it's not, if I'm not compelled to go see it during its run, then I can clearly wait however long you make me wait. But I realize that I'm not your regular casual moviegoer who might say, well, you know what, if I could, be, I could go to the movie theater now or I can just wait a little over a month. That's no problem. I've got gobs of other things that I people can watch, right? So <laughs> yeah. there's uh, like just flipping through streaming services. Now, man, whenever I... D the streaming services are great, but anytime I open one without a specific goal, like if I know I want to watch this show or maybe this one, that's no problem. But when I go in and start browsing because I want to watch uh -oh. a movie, it takes yep. me like 45 minutes to make a choice because yep. I'll go through Netflix and then I'll go through Disney Plus and then I'll go through Crave and then I jot down like 10 movies I might want to watch and then Amazon. I need to decide. Oh, yeah, Prime. Yeah. <laughs> and now... You know what? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and now Paramount Plus. But you know what that is? That is the one... It's it's weirdly it's recreating what a trip to Blockbuster used to be. Yeah, because I would go into there all the time without a plan, and spend half an hour walking around looking at everything. And I I would say ten percent of the time I would go into Blockbuster, I'd walk out without renting anything, where I'd just be too overwhelmed and I couldn't make up my mind. I was like, oh the heck with this, I'm going home. That's a good point. It does sort of cre recreate that, although it's not quite as fun, right? Because when you're no, it's when frustrating. You're, and when you're browsing through a store, it feels like you're on a scavenger hunt. Whereas when you're just sitting yeah. on your couch, mindlessly scrolling through something, you just keep waiting for that magic movie to pop out and go, "Watch me!" So yeah, but now yet another channel to add to the confusion. <laughs> we'll give you the details on Star. 
Next, you are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We were talking about Paramount Plus, and another streaming service is making news this week, and that's Disney Plus, which added another level to its platform called Star. Basically, it's all the Fox and ABC movies and shows that Disney owns that until until now had no place that they could put it. Get undressed. How well do you know my daughter? I love your daughter, and I want to marry her. Spy for what? Against who? You work for the very enemy you thought you were fighting. That's impossible. You will not survive this without my help. Who do you work for? Get in! Daddy? Alias, Sunday, September 30th at 7 p.m. on ABC. Alias is on the list. It's one of my old favorites. It caught my eye immediately when I was scrolling through Disney's Plus Star. Now, they released a few hundred titles this week with more to come over time, I'm sure, because it's not all there yet. But I don't think their plan right now either is to bring in a bunch of new subscribers because it's not really enough here just for that. If the Disney content, the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff hasn't done it for you yet, I don't think this stuff they've added under the star banner is going to make you subscribe. However, if you do already have Disney Plus, there's a, a, a lot of more stuff to choose from now and mostly, you know, for grown-ups and a lot of classic series, a lot of movies. So for me, I've already got Disney Plus. It's a good thing. A few things uh, caught my eye, actually, not so much for me, but I saw people talking about it on Twitter, people very excited about Futurama being on there, as well as Family Guy. They uh, When they first announced Disney Star was coming a few weeks back, they mentioned, they said in that release that some of the diehard movies will be there, which was like, well, why wouldn't they all be there? They are all there. I looked. All five movies are there. Um, a few other movies I look forward to revisiting, including Pretty Woman, Broadcast News, Gross Point Blank, Quiz Show, and the Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile movies. And then I saw a few, Brett, that I uh, I, I think I might re like uh, hate watch The Happening again at some <laughs> point. Because that's a worst movie I've ever seen, but that's there. And I haven't seen it in so long. And according to Jim is on there. And if that thing ever suggests, according to Jim, is something I might be interested, that is the day I will be canceling my Disney Plus, by the way. And I saw Bones on there. And I always wanted to watch Bones, but it ran for, I don't know, 38 seasons or something like that. <laughs> so you could never get into it. So I saw Bones on there and I was like, oh my God, one day I'm going to watch all of Bones and it's going to take forever. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, for me, the the big one was this. What's going on here, Frank? My name's not Frank. It's Jack Bauer. Yeah, Jack Bauer! 24, all nine seasons of 24, not including the reboot Legacy, are on there. And it also does include that sort of limited edition or that limited series, Live Another Day. So that's the 12 episode series that came out uh that was back in 2014 i think wow but uh yeah because i have the first six seasons of 24 on dvd and they also had like a little movie that was meant to bridge the gap between season six and season seven i can't remember if was that called 24 redemption yeah 24 redemption back in 2008 
not very good. Like you didn't need to see it. It just added some extra details and context that made season seven make a little bit more sense. But uh, I never did buy seasons seven or eight. So it's kind of nice to have instant access to those because I love watching 24. So one of my favorite shows. The problem with 24 is that even if you watch just one season, it's a 24 episode commitment and it is highly addictive. So once you start, you can't stop. Yeah, you're you're. It's not it's not something that I think you can watch just one episode. Uh, you might be able to if you've got some self control. So I likely will be staying away from that. But I went through the movies. I saw War of the Planet of the Apes was in there. I've never watched that, so I might check that out. But yeah, just as I was browsing through it, I thought there's not much here. But if, as you pointed out, people want to watch Futurama or or The Family Guy, it's it's another option that gives people access yeah. to old content which was otherwise inaccessible. So that's good. Yeah, and and like I said, it's not all there, so I imagine they'll be adding to it over time. And, I mean, Disney doesn't need the couch potatoes to advise them on uh, how to do their promotion and rolling out of their businesses because they are the experts at it. So I think I did see a lot of FX shows on there. I know in like in England, the FX show Atlanta is available. It's not available here. So there are some FX shows I really like, like I would rewatch justified if they get that on there that just left prime a couple months ago. And also uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia would be a great addition to this. And that thing's already 14 seasons long, but that that would be a, a fun thing for people to watch too. Up next Jeff cares a lot. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. There is a new movie out on Prime Video starring a Golden Globe nominee. The Golden Globes are this weekend, by the way. Rosamund Pike stars in a movie called I Care a Lot. My name is Marla Grayson. I'm just someone who cares. Marla Grayson, you've had amazing success. What's your secret? There is no secret, Peter. She forces them into the home, auctions off their house, and uses the proceeds to pay herself. Because caring is my job. Look at all these cash cows on your wall just leaking money into your account. But Jennifer Peterson, she's off limits. She has very powerful friends who can make life uncomfortable for you. How uncomfortable are we talking? I Care A Lot also stars Peter Dinklage from uh, Game of Thrones fame, of course, and Diane Wiest. It's on Amazon Prime Video in Canada. It's on Netflix in the United States, so some of the coverage is calling it a Netflix movie. And it was also the number one movie on U.S. Netflix last week. It's a weird movie, but I think I liked it. Rosamund Pike plays Marla Grayson, a professional legal guardian who is assigned to look after the affairs of senior citizens who cannot take care of themselves anymore. Now, on the face of it, that sounds like a noble profession. An elderly person in declining physical or mental health cannot take care of themselves or maintain a home or do their banking, so someone needs to help. Usually, of course, it's family members who step up, but not everybody has family. Enter Marla Grayson. Now, she's actually a monster because she connives with an unscrupulous doctor to target seniors who are doing just fine on their own to get them committed to a nursing home by a judge so Marla can take over their lives, sell their house, sell other stuff, and just drain their bank accounts. We see in the opening minutes how it all works, how ruthless she really is. 
and how she snowballed the judge into thinking she's the good guy. She has a partner. It's her girlfriend who helps. And they're just scammers. And it's just really, really gross. We see them do this to poor Diane Weist, who, again, is fine living on her own. But the doctor lies to get a court order and very politely extricate her from her home and bring her to the care home. Once there, they take away her cell phone. And she literally has no way of telling anyone what's happened to her. It's just it's chilling. And Weist is a very good actress. So you can imagine how hard it was to watch this happen to her. And this is where I thought about turning off the movie because I thought if this is two hours of Weist enduring this, you know, elder abuse, I am not in the mood to watch that, even if it's a pitch black comedy thriller thing. But turns out the movie is not just that. You think the movie is going to be about all those things. And honestly, it would be interesting and original, even if I wasn't in the mood for it. But then it takes this turn and it becomes a much more conventional crime story very early on. Uh, Peter Dinklage is a dangerous criminal. He is a bunch of thug henchmen and he becomes involved in Marla's life. The movie does that thing where she's bad, but he's worse. So she's sort of the good guy, or at least you're supposed to have some empathy towards her or are you supposed to have empathy with him because sure he's a bad guy but in the situation that is presented in the movie he's really only doing what any of us in his position would do but really there are no good guys which does make the ending hard because you don't really care what happens to any of these people Dinklage is is good in this he chews the scenery but it's fun to watch and I think he knows that it's kind of a silly movie like that so he doesn't mind chewing the scenery and why not if the story is going to you know take a more conventional, less interesting turn, add some spice like that out of left field. So it's kind of worth it just to watch Dinklage, I think. Uh, the movie is sort of all over the place. It's hard to pin down, which can be a good thing if it's executed properly, which brings us to the inevitable comparison to the movie Gone Girl. That movie also starred Rosamund Pike. I think it was from 2014. And she also played a monster in that movie, a monster that you find yourself rooting for, at least at times, who's also confronted by other bad guys of varying degrees. And that movie also starts as one thing and sort of turns into something else. It's a couple of different movies rolled into one. But that's a David Fincher movie, and that guy knows what he's doing. And instead of you know feeling wishy-washy, like it's trying to have it two ways. Gone Girl is just rock solid. It has game-changing twists, sure, but you're confident that you're in good hands because that's just how good a director Fincher is. Now, the main thing the two movies have in common, obviously, is the beguiling Rosamund Pike, whose smile can be both genuine and deceiving and usually at the same time. She's got that special something that makes her ideal for these kind of roles. Y you hate to pigeonhole an actor, but Pike should be famous for being the villain in at least half a dozen big movies by now. She's perfect at playing clever and evil. It just really blows me away every time I see her. A lot of actors can't do that. The two movies I'm talking about literally wouldn't work with anyone else besides Rosamund Pike, I don't think. If you do like Rosamund Pike, I would say they're both worth the watch, although Gone Girl is much better. But I'll give... Um, I care a lot. Three couch cushions out of five. Again, it's available on Amazon Prime Video right now, Brett. Also on the movie front this weekend, we got a new one that is playing in theaters where theaters are available, but it's also available for rent. After a lifetime of being the world's most famous enemies. You can't count on me like one, two, Jerry are about to start over. Cause that's what friends are supposed to do. Oh, yeah. In the big city. Tom and Jerry. This is one of those uh, Warner Brothers movies that's going to be released 
in theaters where there are theaters, but it's also going to be released on HBO Max, which means in Canada you will be available to or able, pardon me, to rent this movie. And the rental costs for these movies have ranged from like twenty-five bucks to thirty bucks for. Uh, you know, if you wanted to rent Wonder Woman 1984, for example. So, yeah, these two, Tom and Jerry, they've been trying to kill each other for 80 years. And now they're going to continue that tradition. And a violent, antagonistic cat and mouse will star in this hybrid live action and animated movie that'll see the two of them go toe-to-toe in an upscale New York hotel. Jerry... The mouse takes up residence in the molding, and one of the employees, Chloe Grace Moretz, is charged with getting rid of him. So Tom arrives to help terrorize the mouse out of this house. I'm taking some of this, by the way, from CNN. Of course, anybody who knows any iteration of Tom and Jerry knows the cat rarely wins. In the trailer alone, for example, we see Tom pinball between two cars. He's cartoonishly electrocuted. He's thrown in front of a bus by his tiny tormentor. And cartoon violence ensues. If a picture of this mouse is tweeted up to Instabook Face or TikTok, we will be ruined. No, sir, that's not going to happen. That rodent is toast. Michael Pena, Colin Jostin, Ken Jong, by the way, co-star in that movie. It looks like a lot of fun. I love, love Tom and Jerry. So that's new this weekend. New movie, big movie out this weekend. New on Crave is something that uh, wasn't sure until actually, like it's Thursday as we record this. I just found out Wednesday morning that this was coming to Crave. Framing Britney Spears. Britney was so serious and so focused. This is a girl that's coming from strength. She was so open and vulnerable. How we treated her was disgusting. Britney had to navigate being told who she could be and what she could do. People became fascinated with her sort of unraveling. She accepted that the conservatorship was going to happen, but she didn't want her father to be conservative. That was her one request. And anytime there's that amount of money to be made, you have to question the motives of everyone close to that person. So this is the New York Times Presents documentary that made its debut a few weeks back. I reviewed it on uh, our February 11th edition of The Couch Potatoes because even though it wasn't available in Canada, it aired on Hulu in the United States, wasn't available in Canada. There were multiple versions that kept popping up here and there on YouTube. I think it even went up on Britney's Vivo, like her official channel, but then it disappeared. So I was able to watch it before it finally disappeared for good. I haven't looked in a couple of weeks to see it's there, but I know that every time I looked, there was a different version of it that had popped up so now it will be available on crave if you like britney spears you have to watch it even if you don't like britney spears i think she's one of those people like we all know who britney spears is we all know how big of an impact well i'd like to think we all know most of us know who britney spears is and can recognize the impact that she's had on music and just how big of a star she was and why she was under the spotlight and uh highly recommended should also mention A few other shows of note. New Amsterdam is back for a new season on Tuesday on Global. Last time I checked, it was actually the number one trending show on Netflix. Maybe people trying to get caught up just in time for season three. Big Brother Canada is back on uh, Wednesday, March 3rd on Global. Punky Brewster is coming back on March 4th on W. And uh, also on Wednesday, March 3rd, the series finale for Vikings. 
claim to be Vikings, then act like Vikings. Come with me, be like the gods, and reap for my life! I assumed I knew how this was going to end, but I made the mistake of um, looking for a promo. I looked up, I went to YouTube and I Googled, or I looked up series finale promo, but instead I got a certain character's demise. Because I guess when this aired in Ireland on December 30th, it, it was like a, they dropped it. They dropped all 10 episodes at once. So the ending of this series has been out there for couple of months now and I've been able to dodge it so I, I, I know the fate of one of the characters I assumed it was going to happen but I would have rather have seen it for myself so anyway that's on Wednesday March 3rd on history and I'll give you more details on that next week up next I want to tell you about a couple of shows that popped up on Netflix over the last week that landed in the top 10 so I thought I gotta check them both out you are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. There are two shows that popped up on Netflix in the top 10 over the last week. Both of them debuted in the last week or so. I looked at both trailers and I thought, yeah, I'd watch both of those. But one of them looked more violent and exciting, you know, action. So I started with that. I mean, what can I say? I'm a typical guy who likes to watch things go boom. So that show debuted last Friday on February 19th. It's called Tribes of Europa. Dezember 29 fing auf einmal an, die technisierte Welt durchzudrehen. Batsch! Licht aus und Finsternis. Das war's dann. Mittelalter. Okay, yes, it is largely in German, but don't tune out just yet, because this was well worth it. It's produced by the same people behind another German show on Netflix, that time travel sci-fi series Dark, which was excellent. Maybe the most ambitious time travel series ever told on television. It's just nuts. But anyway, back to Tribes of Europa. What he said in that clip was this. In December 2029, technology suddenly started going crazy. Then, bam! Lights out and darkness. That was it. The Middle Ages. And as I mentioned, it's largely in German, but there's also plenty of spoken English as well. Stay here and search for the cure. Where did you take them? Where? You will never see them again. Ever! <laughs> the Tribes of Europa is set in 2074. Society has fallen thanks to that blackout back in 2029. Europe is now known as Europa. There are no more countries in Europe or Europa, just tribes that fight each other over dominance. Our three heroes, two brothers and a sister, are part of this peaceful tribe called the Origines. They live in the forest high atop a hill, away from the rest of the tribes, and they've managed to keep out of everyone else's affairs for years until now. Now, in that last clip, she mentioned the cube. The three siblings, Liv, Keanu, and Elia, they're out gathering supplies, and this aircraft crashes in their forest, an aircraft like nothing they'd ever seen. So Elia, the youngest brother, finds this mysterious glowing cube that came out of that craft, and he just takes it for himself. Turns out that aircraft and that cube are part of a mysterious faction known as the Atlanteans. No one really knows anything about them except that their technology is streets ahead of everyone else, and that cube could potentially hold the key to total power or to salvation, because while the tribes fight amongst themselves, there is a much bigger and darker threat coming that could wipe them all out. It's at 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Many of the reviews that I saw were kind of middling, 
But I loved it. I thought this was a blast. Six episodes, 40 to 45 minutes each, so it was a quick binge. Addictive, exciting, stylish, great production, great camera work. There's this uh, invasion slash battle sequence in the first episode that has amazing camera work that drops you right into the action. It is dizzying and horrifying. It also has all of the tropes of a post-apocalyptic story, you know, the cartoonish, super-violent bad guys, for example, but somehow it all felt fresh, and I don't know if that's just because it was, you know, from Europe, so we had a, a mix of different languages, but I just really dug it. You know, it's not the best show I've ever seen, but it was great popcorn fun, so I'm going to give Tribes of Europa four couch cushions out of five for season one. Highly recommended. Also should point out, because the three protagonists are younger, this does play more like it's aimed at a, a younger audience, but it's still a lot of fun, and it's super violent, too, so it's not for, like, kids it's very, very violent, so I would not recommend letting your kids watch this. That's faux show. All the other show is a six-episode limited series that debuted on Wednesday, February 17th. It looked more like a sexy psychological thriller called Behind Her Eyes. Have a good day. Love you. Love you too. I'm Louise. Your secretary. It's nice to meet you. I just moved to the area. David's kind and generous. I work for your husband. You work with David? Small world. Adele seems perfect. <laughs> They're both happier with me than they are with each other. You shine. What about your wife? Is it happening again, David? What are you talking about? You know what I mean. I only watched the first episode of this six-episode mini-series, but I was hooked immediately. And I think largely because all three of the main characters, they just had this amazing screen presence, you know, this enigmatic uh, charisma and mystery as well. It's about Louise. She's a single mom. She works as an assistant in a psychiatrist's office. David is the psychiatrist. He's new to the office and to the city. And Adele is his wife, uh, who is the source of the greatest mystery. But they've all got something going on, so I'm anxious to see what happens. The reviews for this haven't been quite as kind. 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, with many saying the ending is just ridiculous. But uh, I really, really enjoyed that first episode. So I'm going to see this through. And I should all so I'll tell you more about that next week. And I will also tell you more. I, I said that I would talk about Lord of the Rings. I got that 4K Blu-ray set. I only watched Fellowship of the Ring this Ooh. week. I'm going to watch The Two Towers for sure this weekend. Hopefully Return of the King as well. But uh, I will just very quickly say 4K Lord of the Rings is amazing. And I love it so much. <laughs> I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs>